Welcome to Media Culture and Why We Feel Like Crying So Much. Each week, we analyze everyday media objects like TikToks, reality TV shows, songs, films, and more. We hope to offer profound insights into our shared reality. I'm Grant Latanzi. And I'm Stephanie Che. Before we started recording, we started talking about the holiday cups or the red mm -hmm. cups from Starbucks. It is that time of year where we have to fight about it. Yes. What have, what have you been seeing? Oh my gosh. So I know there's one day after they drop it where if you come in like first thing in the morning, you can get the reusable red cup for free with your drink. And so there are so many people going to these stores and all I'm seeing are baristas on TikTok being like, oh my God, I'm having a horrible shift because people are just like coming in so they can get a 50 cent cup for free on that one day. You can buy it any other time, but on this day, it's free. So I'm just going to go in and add to the chaos. <laughs> so wait, is this their like red, like they, cause they do the hol around the holidays, right? They, they mm -hmm. switch. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So they have that one, but then they also have a reusable version. Uh... Yeah. But it's and not like glass or like anything special. It's a generic cup, <laughs> you know? And people are, this is coveted now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what to make of that. Just, I feel bad for the baristas. Like, that's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel bad for baristas pretty much any time I go to a coffee shop, to be honest. People get stressed about their caffeine. They, they do. They do. And like, especially when it becomes like a delicacy or like a part of the experience. Like mm -hmm. I remember talking to my friend about it. And I was like, man, I would hate to be a barista, but like, maybe I can do it at Target or like, some retail store mm -hmm. or like Barnes and Noble. And she was like, I think that would be worse because people intentionally go to Target to get their Starbucks and walk around. So if it's messed up, like they'll be even more upset. And I was like, I you can't win. No, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I always see like, if I'm traveling early in the morning or something, the lines outside Starbucks or Dunkin' at the airport, I never feel more like a zombie than when I'm waiting in that line. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about the Starbucks cups that like, there was a couple years ago, I remember where people first kind of got mad about it. They're like Starbucks cups say, I don't remember if they said Merry Christmas or if they didn't say Merry Christmas, but that was like the onset of the the imaginary war on Christmas. Or no, no, what it was is there was one year where there were ornaments on the cup when it was red. And then the next year it was just like a red cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And people were like, there's no Christmas icons on this cup. I don't know. I I mean, I love Christmas. Yes. It's wonderful. <laughs> I don't know if I need Starbucks to help me like celebrate. We've talked about rituals a couple of times, but the holidays were really interesting. We talked about it a lot in our wedding episode, but the holidays are really interesting because let's just say Christmas in particular. I've grown up my whole life celebrating Christmas. I'm assuming you yes. have some Yeah. So there's the ritualistic consumption of media every year. You got to watch the whatever the classics are for your household. What are some mm -hmm. classics for you? Home Alone. Home Alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Elf. Love Actually is my yeah. favorite. <laughs> uh, Santa Claus 2. Yes. 
specific the second one is just, i was like wait what why not the first one <laughs> but, i mean it, they're all they're all good but the second yeah. one with mrs claus so good it really is a ritualistic thing it's strange because around the holidays there comes a time where i'm with certain people or in like a certain atmosphere where i watch things not for the same reasons that i do most of the time because usually when I'm watching something, unless it's like a comfort show, which I know a lot of people have something like that, that they're just like ambient media playing. Typically watching something new, like a new story, a new TV show, a new YouTube channel, whatever. It's things I haven't seen before or episodes I haven't seen before, mm-hmm. but or movies I haven't seen before. But at Christmas time, it's like, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. We're watching the movie, yeah. but not, but it's, it's a much larger activity than that. We're not watching it to watch the movie. I always decorate cookies when I'm watching these movies or like mm-hmm. baking cookies. It adds to the vibe. It does. It's just something you do. I don't know if you have any activities where if you didn't do it, you kind of feel like you didn't celebrate it right. Mm-hmm. I know that happens with me in the fall. Like if I don't go to a pumpkin patch or like I haven't carved a pumpkin in years, but like every year I miss out on that. And I'm like, oh, like. I didn't mm-hmm. do that, but it's like, you, you never do it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a shame that these are going to, this is, will all air after the holidays, but it is yeah. just, is endlessly interesting from a media perspective. And I really like what you said about it. You set the vibes because I feel that way. Like when I throw a kickback or whatever, or even when I'm just studying or drawing by myself, like I use media to establish the environment that I want. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes like I'll put on a documentary about plants because I just want to see plants, pictures of plants <laughs> or put on a show I've seen a dozen times. So I don't have to actually watch it. It's just there yeah. or very often playing music that mm-hmm. sets a vibe for some purpose. And I love, I think that there's a reason that the term vibe has become such a useful descriptor and like, oh, this is whatever vibes you have more examples than I do probably but there's everything can be a vibe when you make it a vibe you come to understand it as like a like some associations that together make the vibe and I think a lot of that has to do with how easily and expertly we can control the media that surrounds us like when you're cooking there's specific music that you would play for cooking versus like I don't know at a party like Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. I mean not when you're in college. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. And then there's also the whole thing where if you're playing something, especially music for other people, I really, that's a, that is so much pressure and cognitive <laughs> work to, I take that vibe seriously. It stresses me out. Like yeah. when I, I don't like driving other, okay. I get car sick a lot. So I, usually I'm the one driving but I hate that pressure of like oh I have to provide the music now and I'm like what if they don't like my music it's so nerve-wracking I have had a couple times like those nightmare moments where someone's like what the hell is this music you're playing and I will one time it was Glass Animals which is my favorite band of all time Mm -hmm. and I was like you are a Philistine whatever that (laughs) because oh it made me so mad but yeah, that hurts. That stings. I listen to a lot of Harry Styles when I'm driving. But then as soon as somebody else is in my car, there are certain people where I do play it and I'm like, no, right. you're you're dealing with this. But then there are other people where I'm like, I don't know what else to put on because all I've been listening to for the past couple of weeks has been Harry Styles. 
Oh, it's so interesting. It's interesting, like, when those private practices become public. Yeah. But anyways, we're not here to talk about that. We're here today to talk about military propaganda in U.S. media. And when I say we, I really mean you. (laughs) (laughs) Really? No, I'm kidding. I, of course, am here to be in conversation with you, but... Your, I start. I went in. I opened our notes document like we usually do to plan an mm-hmm. episode, and I, I made some notes. But I saw everything you had, and I was like, I just can tell Steph has spent so much more time organizing <laughs> thoughts on this. This is one that you presented at a conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So yeah, I'm just very excited to hear what you have to say. So the topic, the topic is military propaganda in new media. We talked about propaganda, and we've talked about militarism just in our coursework together. But I don't know that we've talked about this specific context much. So I'm curious how you came to start thinking about this topic. I think I really zoned in on military because there's a lot of ideology around that. And especially being in tune with the current political and social conversation that's happening, plus having seen Top Gun. And by the time this episode goes out, this is probably so dated, which I have an entire thought on media being outdated so quickly. But this came to me in two ways. The first one was while we were still in class together and my boyfriend and I, we were watching MasterChef. And for those who, who don't know what MasterChef is, it is a cooking competition show on the Fox Network. It's a cooking competition show where you win like a quarter of a million dollars, the MasterChef title, and like a trophy. Some people have gone on to like cook for their cruises, stuff like that. And um, famously, Gordon Ramsay is one of the, I guess, like hosts or judges. And every season, there is one episode where they're cooking for American heroes and our brave troops and they go to the forts and bases and like training centers and they have B-roll of like bombs going off and soldiers like actively shooting their guns and crawling on the floor, stuff like that. And this is a cooking competition show. And like, that was the first time where I was like, what the fuck is going (laughs) on? (laughs) Like, why are we watching this happen? And in my research, I have a couple quotes from the lead of the training center and master chef and all that we can get into that but that was the first time when we were in our class and I was like oh my god this is ideology at play in our media and then top gun happened miles teller as the white boy of the month on tiktok i absolutely loved it top gun is like ingrained in our entertainment and media it's a classic yeah (laughs) once that came into view i was like oh my god I need to write a paper about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's really interesting that that's sort of your entry point because uh, mine is a little bit different starting to think about this because when when you first mentioned the topic, my first thought was film or, or cinema, movies, whatever, mm-hmm. because I feel like it is so common to be able to go to a theater back when that was like the main practice, I guess. But even now, and and watch something that is about war or during a war or about the military. Like you have in, it, so many interesting things about Top Gun that you, you've you noted is, is that it occurs in peacetime, the story. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas like there's other military media, like we need to talk about the definition of propaganda in a sec too. Yeah. But, like Saving Private Ryan. That's a pretty anti-war movie if you think about it in a lot of ways because it's really hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? I have not. It's Tom Hanks' main character. And I've only seen like the first half. I think I turned it off. But the first scene is the invasion at Normandy and you watch it. And there's a story. I don't know if this is true, but apparently World War II vets watched it and said it was the most accurate media depiction of their experience on the battlefield. And it's really, really hard to watch. So there's like that one hand, there is media that is like, the, the military is a huge part of it and and thinking about militarism and war and mm-hmm. weapons, I guess. But then there's the Top Guns, the Transformers, where it's like, let's see how sick Michael Bay can make this look. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty darn sick, if we're mm-hmm. being honest. So I guess when you see something like this, what sort of sets off your mind like this could be considered propaganda? I think there's like a spectrum, but I think any film, media, whatever, that has direct help from the U.S. military is propaganda. I already because some people the can, U.S. government. Yeah. Like, because people can tell any war story, like, hard, tragic stories, like, without their help. But as soon as you get funding and equipment from the U.S. military, like, there, there's something going on there. Yeah, it, it's very, it's interesting to think about that logically then as part of that the defense budget or mm-hmm. or whatever budget it's called i would assume there could be parts of it that are for media production mm-hmm. or or consultation or whatever there's like, an entire division <laughs> that's the same the same invoice is going to say you know f18s and then camera equipment or yeah. or like media professionals or something very strange i do want to note that i I think I brought this up to you outside of any episode, but I recognize the entry that the military can grant certain individuals considering the crappy way our system is set up. There are a lot of people who wouldn't have that access to work in media and entertainment without the military. And I do recognize that. And I do recognize a lot of the opportunities that are afforded through the military. However, I think if things were set up correctly, we wouldn't need that kind of opportunity granting, right. like, right. yeah. It, it's a, it, I, it sounds like a similar argument that people make regarding the GI Bill. Like, that's a great incentive. However, it's it's unfortunate that it's based on the inaccessibility of higher ed. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go even further on that distinction. We're talking about like military with a capital M as it, an institution, an organization, a political ideological force. We are not talking about service members necessarily. I'm an Air Force brat. I grew up around service members all the time. And there are so many wonderful people that serve in the military. And often serving in the military means that you're a dentist or a teacher. They employ so many people for so many purposes. Mm -hmm. We're looking really at this like, okay, when the military as the sort of the arm of the state has influence over popular media, that in turn, it's pretty hard to deny, shapes how people think about the military. When we say how people think about, we're immediately dealing with ideology. We know that people are in the military for so many different reasons. Yes. (laughs) I think that recognition is like 
I think it's good that we stated that because like a lot of the things I have outlined and think are very critical, but I still have that recognition and understanding of how it is right now. We should also probably recognize that we directly benefit from the United States military power every day, not feeling afraid about access to resources or, or invasion by a foreign adversary. Like Mm -hmm. that's a privilege that, that I feel I benefit from. That being said, we can't just let this go unexamined. So that's why we're here. Yes. I think in speaking of ideology, it is, I'm thinking about Louis Althusser and what, who's him, right? Who (laughs) talked about ideological state apparatuses and repressive ones. And traditionally, when you think of the military, you think of physical force, physical violence, war. There's physical oppression going on there. Right. If there's something that they want to accomplish, they can... Mm -hmm physically accomplish it regardless of pushback yes but then when you have them in media entertainment that's when it starts getting iffy and I think where it goes into the military being also being a ideological state apparatus through their entertainment I have a quote awesome side note when I was doing my research there's a list of government documents that show the collaboration between Hollywood and the military that has only been granted to one person. And that one person wrote like articles, books, stuff like that. And then now there's a second person, Secker, who is doing similar work, big name in this research. I found out that they granted Georgetown Library to hold all of these documents but you need written permission or like you need permission from the person who like donated it to even be able to see it. And I was sitting there writing this paper and I was like, I go to Georgetown. I could have easy access to this, but I don't because it's on lockdown. <laughs> that kind of says something. Cause as, <laughs> as, as students at a lot of institutions, you really, you get resources to all sorts of information. I'm, that's very surprising. Yeah. Like you need permission but also why give it to Georgetown in the first place Mm -hmm. anyway sidetracked but from that research what I have a quote from is a declassified office of strategic services memo from 1943 and this states that the motion picture is one of the most powerful propaganda weapons at the disposal of the United States among informing the public of facts they might be ignorant of and clarifying complicated issues through motion picture propaganda, they, the state, can also dispel doubt and uncertainty, allay anxiety, as well as form morals and opinions. Going further, propaganda also uses popular media as means of manipulating and controlling domestic populations. They have used Hollywood as the premier vehicle to which to propagandize the populace. What was the year that you said for that? 1943. Yeah. And that's just movies. The only place you could see a movie was in the theater or, I don't know. I don't know when home televisions, I guess there would have been home televisions, but what's the modern equivalent of that in terms of that sort of perception control? I'd imagine, like, I'm wondering, like, what, what is the same office saying now? It's been known for a long time, it seems, the the importance of Hollywood entertainment, big budget film, 
and the public perception of pretty much anything. So military, huge one. And that seems to be known. And I wonder if they did like research on if opinions could change. Like, I'm sure they did. Looking at like pre-post, if the audience changed their minds on something or like Mm -hmm. if they repeated something that was learned through the movie about the military. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, if you control the images of something, you basically control what the thing is. Yeah. So I, in my paper, talked about MasterChef being on Fox Network, which we know Fox has a predominantly white conservative base. There was a study where they had them watch CNN and that was shown to change how they thought of certain political and social issues. I can also link these articles in our like show notes or like have links or something yeah. because I think that is very useful. I am very generally summarizing them. I'm going to bring MasterChef into this. Of You have, have you, I don't know if I showed this in class. Did I show you this in class? The MasterChef? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't remember. I feel like I can see it pretty vividly in my head. So mm-hmm. you may have, or I okay. may just have seen so much footage of army guys running around that I'm yeah. in the stock photos. <laughs> so what I'm about to show is a snippet from a MasterChef episode where they are at Fort Irwin in California. And this is the intro into that. This is Colonel Braga with the U.S. Army. He's here to tell you more. You're driving through the National Training Center, Fort Irwin, California, one of the country's premier tactical training facilities. Our brave men and women train here in an area that's roughly the size of Rhode Island. Many of them are currently involved in live tactical ground and airborne training exercises as we speak. You're all about to undertake a very, very important mission. You'll be out of your element, and you will have to cook in the elements in a field kitchen. Today, you will be feeding 500 soldiers. Yeah, so that was one clip. What do we think about that (laughs) to start off? (laughs) How much do you think that explosion cost? That one big one? I mean, I don't... (laughs) It's got to be expensive. The size of Rhode Island, just that just, yeah, man, <laughs> it's a cooking show. It's a cooking show. They got so into it. Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me, I have a quote from them that I did not include in our notes. I'll say another response to that I have while you're looking. When they're saying it's the size of Rhode Island, that just, for some reason, I was like, okay, first of all, crazy that because think of all the different military bases and spaces all over the place. Mm-hmm. A lot of land. A lot of land where I am right now in Colorado, too. However, the military is technically run by civilians. Have you heard of this? There's some rule where, like, there was a retired general who was running for a high-ranking Pentagon role. And they had to appeal because he hadn't been retired long enough because it's supposed to be civilians in those I see that sort of position so that it is it's the people's military not the government's that's that's the idea interesting mm-hmm. i didn't know that and i don't know i don't know how the pentagon like 
how that relates then to the chain of command in mm -hmm. the individual armed forces. But yeah, it is really, it's strange because it's like we have this military superpower and it's not exactly the government that owns it. It's not exactly the people. Mm. Anyways, did you find what you were looking for? Yeah. So in terms of equipment, this was taken straight from army.com. Um, okay. They wrote about this episode because it was a solid collaboration. The tanks, armored personnel carriers, pyrotechnical mayhem, and machine gunfire were provided by the 11th Armored Cavalry Regiment in a routine training scenario. Um, there's no price, but all of that obviously was, I don't, <laughs> like, every time, so I've, like, fully presented on this, and even though I rewatch it, I'm, like, at a loss for words. It's, it's astounding, and, mm -hmm. and it's also, like, this isn't just any military that we're looking at. This is the United fucking States. Like, yeah. this is the military that we're looking at. Okay, so you watch this. You're like, oh, bombs exploding. That's cool. What are we supposed to gather from this? Right. Like not thinking critically about it. Like, what do we gather, or what are we? I guess we have to think critically. To I, yeah, see I guess what. like being in the army is super dangerous, and explosions happen all the time. That's sort of what it's seen Be mm -hmm. because when you think about it, and this is actually something I know for from my close proximity to the military. There's a lot of sitting around, and there's a lot of boredom, a lot of paperwork, a lot of bureaucracy. They're not going to show that. Why would they show that? Right? It's not cool. Like, no. I don't want to see that. It. I almost wonder, it's sort of like, it makes me think of the spectacle. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's, it's like an ideological state apparatus engaging in the spectacle, I guess. Yeah. It, it's, it has to be. And even when you see like ads for you know, military insurance, which that is a great perk or like USAA, you know, banking for, for vets, they show footage and it's always like a helicopter flying over glaciers in the Antarctic or like a jet taking off from an aircraft carrier. And they're not necessarily violent, mm -hmm. but there's still that like focus on the cool shit. Whereas if you enlist in the military, you're probably not going to be flying a helicopter uh, that's no. a specialized position it's hard to be a pilot it seems obvious it's like what else would there for them to be for them to even show us but it's really most of what goes on in strictly b-roll sense this is exciting b-roll but <laughs> i don't even know what like what the end of that sentence would be just like thinking about it in the editing sense somebody filmed, edited, approved mm -hmm. the sequence. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm thinking about how a lot of rec in recruiting now, a lot of people go to video games. There are people in the military who like play video games and stream video games, apparently. And that's how they get people interested in the military. You just opened a whole can of worms with yeah. video games, though. I'm wondering, do you know anything about that? Because even the Call of Duty franchise alone is mm -hmm. is is droves and droves and droves of different sort of episodic stories of military action and different different parts of history. And I'm wondering if 
I, I would be pretty surprised if there wasn't some sort of consultation in that development. There were certain numbers of how many like video games and TV shows and movies Hollywood and Pentagon liaison office like works on mm -hmm. um, that I can, it's in an article somewhere that I can link, but we are actively participating in it through video. Like, I'm not saying that we're not actively participating in what we consume, but in video games, that's a whole nother level of participation. Yeah. And like your, it changes how you view what happens in the military. Like you're not sitting there doing paperwork in Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. Or I imagine I've never played it. No, you don't. <laughs> you're right. And it's also like really extreme scenarios. Having played a couple COD campaigns myself, I can say it's like, it's always like special ops something or like, you know, this group of, of soldiers outnumbered in some foreign city but again it, it's always the military except in one where it is not the u.s military but an organization that is a military for hire so they're, they're sort of like private security but military forces okay and it is the main bad guy who runs it is voiced and animated to look exactly like none other but kevin spacey what yep I'm going to pull it up right now. I have to show you. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Spacey Call of Duty. Here he is. What? Tom Hanks. Hang on. Here's a, yeah, that's what it looks like. He leads like a corporate interest military that's risen to power in the U.S. Anyways, but that just is a very weird example, especially yes. <laughs> everything around Kevin Spacey now. That's when he was in House of Cards, like. That's a pretty big actor to be signed on for the Call of Duty project that essentially like at the end of the day, that one is like one military is good and the other's bad. And the good military is da -da -da -da, the US. Gosh, it I didn't even think about that before this episode, but now I'm just like reeling from how often I really am shown, here's what the military looks like. And then in my head, I'm like, okay. Yeah, like, oh, there's just a game I'm playing, but it's really not just a game that you're playing. Mm -hmm. Like, and one, I think that's the entire purpose of this podcast is to see how much we navigate our everyday lives without, I don't want to phrase it like that, hold on. I think I know what you're getting Please. at. And I yes. think it <laughs> relates to the sort of one of our early kind of placeholder names for the podcast, which was, it's deeper than that. Because on the surface, it's we could say, yeah, there's a lot of media about the military. We could say that's probably because people consume that and it makes money, which to an extent, I we, we haven't even talked about that. But yeah, like Activision making Call of Duty, like they're going to make mm -hmm. a lot of money. At the same time is informing or addressing or like you said, uh, clarifying misconceptions, which who decides what's a misconception held about the military not by like i keep taking transformers as an example it's not the fact that i'm watching soldiers take on starscream or whatever decepticon they fight that is interesting for this the, our purposes it's the fact that in the background i'm being shown like oh this is what armed people in the armed forces are like and this is like the lingo they use and here's a happy ending also mm -hmm. uh, like it's 
it's a framing effect. It's so ingrained. Mm-hmm. And like, I love a good action movie. Totally. I love watching things blowing up. It's it's satisfying. Mm-hmm. But it's also like so much deeper. Like, yeah, it is. It's interesting though because there's then also I have you ever seen like videos uploaded by individual service members on TikTok or elsewhere? In what sense? Like I'll see videos, it'll be a couple of guys like, you know, they got their heads buzzed, look like new cadets at some service academy or another. There's so many different terms and like ways to enter the military. I don't even know the phrase, but it'll be them like goofing around and being normal, but in uniform when I see stuff like that, that's an entirely different and they'll show like the boring side too. Yeah. There's one, uh, one TikTok where it's this guy, he's in full combat gear and he's moving. He's like walking over to a pile of sandbags and picks one up and his friend's filming. I assume his friend, and he goes, Hey, such and such, what are you doing? And he goes, move in a bunch of sandbags from there to there. And, and, <laughs> and he goes, why are you doing that? And he goes, does it look like I know? <laughs> and it's such a different way of looking at the people in the military. Mm-hmm. Who are like, I got orders this morning to move these sandbags versus Miles Teller making the unilateral decision to go back for Tom Cruise when he's stranded in a country that we're not going to say the name of. What about songs? I'm going to share a memory with you. I spent a lot of my life learning about the military and kind of just thought that it was like, you just take it for granted because it's so normal to have such a huge presence from it. It's just there. There's a song that came out by Three Doors Down called Citizen Soldier. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's like this rock song, like early 2000s rock. I was in like fourth grade. I was listening to it on my, my pink MP3 player that I got from my sister. And I was like, this song lights a fire in me that I have never known. I need to go get in shape and like get ready to defend the homeland. A little grant, like... And so I remember like I went on a jog and just was listening to that song on repeat. I did this once after this. I was like, I'm tired of that song. That's really cute. But it's like, that's like when you see like soldiers doing shit with rock music playing, even as an adult, you're like, that's so cool. Yes. Uh, Like that gives me energy for some Mm -hmm. reason. Yeah. Thinking about the effect on kids and kids were playing these games. Yeah. Everyone talks about kids playing video games, but I lost my train of thought and my point. However, (laughs) That's my story of, at a young age, having an intense emotional encounter with a piece of military propaganda. And the only other song I can think of is Proud to be an American. Oh, I forgot about that one. Lee Greenwood. It's not like in pop music. None's coming to me like right away. Me neither. Country music certainly is. Oh, yeah. Like in Chicken Fried, when he's talking about Chicken Fried, cold beer on a Friday night, and now I'm going to have a little monologue to say thank you to the troops. Back to Chicken Fried. Yep. Cracks me. <laughs> oh my God. Country music can be totally analyzed in its entirely own episode. So I cannot get this out of my head. The beach scene from Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. And all of them are running around playing football. And they're all glistening in the sunlight. Yeah. (laughs) One who can run on sand. Like, that's exhausting. Yeah. So that scene was on TikTok over and over Over and over over again. 
I feel like I watched that entire movie before I even actually went to the theaters to watch it. Mm. Simply because I was watching it on TikTok. I honestly think that was like the only scene that I saw. Really? <laughs> I never even saw the planes or anything, which I mean, yeah, they look good. Miles yeah. Teller looks shredded. I saw that one and I didn't, but I never saw like planes or really the stuff that I came there to see, I guess. Also, dare I say, mm. I daren't. I think maybe we could have an episode on Scientology at some point. Or maybe okay. we can have like a catch-all episode where we just have like little topics that can't fill a whole episode. I bet we, yeah. I bet that would, Oh yeah. Just because I would started thinking Tom Cruise is in it and Tom Cruise is essentially the PR wing of Scientology, which is a very scary institution. And I'm not going to say any more about it right now. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. But anyway, so you saw the beach scene and you'd had several encounters with this movie before you went to see it. Yeah, it was everywhere. And it was one of those movies where it's like, oh my God, what do you mean you haven't watched it yet? Mm -hmm. And I feel like there nowadays are very few of those. And like how generational this franchise was, because this came, what, 20 years after the first Top Gun movie? Probably more. Wow. 19, six, 19, oh my God, when did this come out? Might have been 30 years. I think it was the early yeah, 90s. Yeah, 89. 89. Like that. Yeah. yeah, a little over 30 years. But yeah, like still, this was a, oh my God, what do you mean you haven't watched this? Yeah, it was. It's often the action movies that reach that status. You know, nowadays, even when a in an action movie, when it's not about the military, I still feel like since I know that we can make something on the scale of like, have you seen Endgame? Yes. Like the Endgame battle, right? Where it mm -hmm. is two armies facing off, though neither is necessarily the US Army. Or like, Lord of the Rings it's still like army against army but I I wonder if that might just be like yeah conflict is fun to watch <laughs> yeah we love battle <laughs> yeah yeah I mean um, true Marvel obviously U.S. government influence what's Chris Evans character's name Captain America yes. <laughs> and he is the most virtuous among them what a funny time it was when Chris Evans I feel like the peak of the MCU like building to Infinity War Chris Evans, obviously a huge celebrity, very active on Twitter. And just anytime Trump would say any, like he hated Trump. And that was always a funny thing to observe. Like Captain America, as I imagine, mm -hmm. constantly roasting the president. Again, thing to watch. <laughs> all in media. And, and yeah. it's like, this is all how I like, I come to think about it. Like if he didn't play Captain America, that wouldn't have stuck out to me. It's also interesting to watch these like celebrity interactions happen because like before social media, we had no access to that. Other than like tabloids and stuff. Yeah. But also tabloids are based out of like the consumer side. It's not it. You're right. As opposed to a tweet where Chris Evans is directly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not edit. Well, I mean, you, you might have somebody look at it before you post it and this and that kind of stuff. Interesting. Here is Gordon Ramsay standing on top of a tank, and I hope it plays from the right part. It's time for the vote. When given the order, all 500 soldiers will line up in front of the team whose food they liked best. 
the team with the most soldiers on their side is the winner. Ladies and gentlemen, we would like personally to thank each and every one of you for your bravery and your service to this amazing country. These home cooks cooked their hearts out. So what do we think? I Yeah, I have a lot of reactions to that. The first is the fact that they're standing at attention before they vote for MasterChef. Like, why can't they just stand there like yeah. any other person would? And then also the fact that he says, when given the order, they'll do this. I feel like this that clip is a really good example of what we're saying like even though it's not saying things like the military is good or like like outright making claims like that it is sort of showing like this is what like this is serious this is the military and it made me think of you know how people will say oh this is military grade like a military grade weapon or a military mm -hmm. grade vehicle that means something even though it's not like an exact definition, it's like, oh, military grade. Like that, that's going to be able to go across terrain. That's going to be reliable. That's going to be strong and durable, organized and like utilitarian. That's what military grade is. It's not going to be like, I don't know, I guess cute would not be included in military grade or, yeah. or like even sleek. It's about power ruggedness <laughs> yeah and that's really like what's being shown they could have done this at a convention center where the troops show up and get lunch i don't know like mm -hmm. but instead they did it where they train this isn't about feeding the troops this is about showing mm -hmm. the military mm -hmm. and showing showing it as it's like it's, yeah it's like it's instagram page like it's the highlight reel i want to point out that gordon ramsay is british mm -hmm. and he is standing on top of an american tank and thanking the troops for their service to this great like country he's british I don't, like that seems just so ridiculous to me like my dude this isn't these aren't your troops like yeah why him mm -hmm. so arguably one of the more iconic accents on television these days it's interesting because i'm like i'm sort of sitting here now we've had this discussion it's like okay military like they make media people kind of learn about it and and in the process of talking about that we've unpacked a little bit of like how other institutions might have a stake apple has a sort of role in what's on apple tv plus right mm. and, and um any really media or tech organization has a say in like how people see them you ever watch watch something and everyone has a mac or or a surface i see that mm -hmm. a lot which like i've never seen a group of people i have a surface but i've never seen a group of people just like we all got our microsoft devices <laughs> um but that's like the vision they're trying to show like this is something that can be done like it's like a little bit of a prompt but i'm still kind of sitting here like okay so what like People can do that. How does that affect the us? How does that affect mm -hmm. my life? Because we want to like how let's tie it back to daily life. I'm not exactly sure how. Do you have any thoughts? I have concluded from one, just doing this research and having this conversation is that it's just so ingrained in our daily lives. Like mm -hmm. I have no like 
I could stop watching MasterChef. I don't. Because this is one episode per season. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to enlist in the military. This has just made me so aware of how much is around me. Mm-hmm. Or how much military is around me, even though there isn't, like, a direct serviceman in front of me. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think to me, it's just, it's just crazy to take something that I think I like know about through my own experiences. Like I have a picture when you say military, I have a picture or a vague understanding in my head or misunderstanding based on whatever. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. I've said things throughout this podcast or like used terms wrong that a service member would know is right uh, or would know the correct terminology. But regardless, yeah, you're right. I, I, I have a different experience because I'm a little closer to the military, but it's now that I'm thinking about it, it's strange because I see such a schism between how it's the military is portrayed and how I've experienced interacting with the military. And I, I, I kind of said like, my experience has been pretty positive. Uh, I met lots of great people, really smart, bright people doing great things. And that sort of makes it almost funny to see how they're depicted in the media that's also actors playing service members for the most part not actual military personnel so what i'm stuck on right now is like this this started as one of those things where it's like so what so Mm. what there are military films so what they have an entire department that donates equipment that most studios would not have access to if they did not directly partner with them what if they rewrite the script so what but at the same time like the strategic thinking that goes on that we don't have access to to me that part is the most like diabolicalness Mm -hmm. in all of it and just like reflecting back a lot of people wrote how the first Top Gun came out like after war and it was like triumphant and then even Top Gun Maverick it was in production for a while but it still came out after years of asking for defunding the military and the police and Mm -hmm. we're still like I think we have a greater understanding of what is happening in our media as like when I was on TikTok a lot of people were like if military propaganda bad why Miles Teller hot like (laughs) kind of like joking so like we're all aware of it But Mm -hmm. I think the fact that they're trying to make these strategic moves is where I'm having problems with it. But then at the same time, like I can't fix those problems. I think strategy is the exact right word. And it's strange that it feels like the right word, especially considering like, I think of military strategy is like, that's like what they're doing in the war room, right? They're Mm -hmm. strategizing. And so that the idea that a similar process could be done, but in terms of the ideas in people's heads is quite troubling. And again, like, yeah, the fact that it does seem to, it's not like there's a disclaimer. There's probably a little something in the credits that's like, hey, thanks to the US or like this regiment or whatever, but it's not being advertised. It sort of seems like it's trying it. The ideal would be that no one even knew. After the first Top Gun, I think this is pretty general knowledge at this point, but it's still worth directly pointing out that like a lot of Navy recruits stood outside military theaters and they actively recruited people, even though this was not a direct like recruitment film. And it wasn't like the military being like, okay, you're going to go to this movie theater. You're going to go to that one. This was just a like case by case thing. 
Mm -hmm. um, there's a statistic somewhere in my notes of enlisting went up after the first Top Gun movie. Interesting. The fact that some people watched these films and was and enlisted. Yeah, I think even the fact that there were recruiters there, that to me, that's indicative of some sort of strategy. And like, maybe they weren't told by a higher, like the highest ranking person in the military, but they still went. I obviously have no idea how recruiting works in the military, but. <laughs> in high school, I used to have recruiters come to my school. Yes. You ever had that happen? Yes. And they set up like a pull-up bar and they're like, hey, if you can do pull-ups. It's a very interesting discussion. I think I feel like crying because of the sheer scope of this, this sort of action mm -hmm. that an organization or, it, you know, individuals in an organization are able to take without really anyone's awareness. It, it is decades of work. And the fact that there are memos directly stating these as like vehicles of ideology forming. They said propaganda. Like it's decades of that work. It's so many films, not even just films, TV shows, movies, songs. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, what's that one show? MASH? That show was on the air forever during the Korean War. It's extensive. And I think that's what's scary. If this, this isn't like a new thing. No. No, I mean, it goes back to like even Uncle Sam posters, like, or like Meatless Mondays. And, and it's hard because to an extent, any government messaging could be propaganda. Like, the J6 hearings that are televised, though it is does seem to be a pretty responsible account, I could see why it might make people uneasy. That it's like the United States government brings you an indictment of your favorite politician, assuming this that this imaginary viewer in my head likes Trump. Man, this is really like I think the closest we've gotten to talking about the state, and I think we're gonna go more into that in the future. But I, I think this is a good entryway because the media around it is so spectacular and so widespread. That is why I want to cry. Yeah, me too. Okay, we feel like crying today. Thanks everyone for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Media Culture and Why Pod and join us next week when we talk about media that shaped us. Bye. Bye.